Once again, welcome this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. And uh, if you have an opportunity, I'd love for you to have, fill out one of the Connect cards. And you can put that in the same box that if you would like to give a tither offering, you can put that in this box over here on your way out this morning. And as we continue to seek God's direction when it comes to a congregation and seeing where God is leading us, we continue to be excited about the fact that God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, that we would desire for God to do things through us as a congregation that only He can do, and, and that only He could receive the praise and honor and glory for. And so we continue to imagine more, desiring for God to use us as tools in His hands to have an impact on the kingdom. And we continue to kind of hit and miss through a series called... Um, parables through Matthew, and it's kind of designed that way to go through the summer months. It, it doesn't, you don't have to be here last week to know what's going on this week. It's kind of a hit and miss with uh, Father's Day in there and Memorial Day, and next week being the 4th of July. And today we are talking about the parable of the weeds and the wheat. And uh, as I look in chapter 13 of Matthew, there's multiple parables listed in this chapter, and and I think about this, this idea that Jesus brings about things that are common to the people at the time that he was speaking to. And in our backyard of our new home here in Casper, there's two flower beds. And uh, me being a really amazing gardener, I thought once we moved into the house, I would go ahead and spray those flower beds with weed killer and then uh, dig it out and put sand in it and then have sandboxes for my children. Uh, and so... <laughs> That still might happen in one of them, but there's, I have two of them. And, and in one of the ones, it, it was interesting because as the, the season progressed, as we got into spring, all of a sudden up from one of the flower beds came these tulips that were just beautiful and fun to look at. And the really awesome part was we didn't do anything to make those things come up out of the ground is just, we just looked out one day and all of a sudden there's flowers growing in the front yard. There's roses that I didn't plant and I didn't do anything with and they're blooming. And it's really awesome to see that. But there's also a problem with those tulips in the backyard. There was also grass and weeds that grew up among those tulips. And so the, it's like, well, how do I get the weeds out without pulling up the tulips? And maybe for some of you, you've had that experience. How do we get the weeds out without also then pulling up the flowers? And today, there's, it's a little bit of a discussion here in Matthew chapter 13 with this parable. It, it has this kind of feel of wanting to pull up the weeds and, and not the wheat. And yet, what does Jesus speak about here? And again, it, Jesus isn't giving us you know, gardening tips here. He's talking to us about, he wants us to look past the physical and see the spiritual. And I pray that we each can do that this morning. Will you pray with me as we begin? Father, we're hopeful for a day when you will come again. And God, when that day comes, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. And until that day comes, Father, you tell us to get ready, to be prepared, to help others get ready and be prepared. And so as we look at a parable here from Matthew today, I pray that we would <clears throat> see you in what you want us to be doing, and that we'd hear your voice this morning, speak to our hearts and our minds, that we'd be open to your Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. 
I mentioned before that growing up, I have an older brother who's two years older and a younger sister that's two years younger, and we would oftentimes have to go out to our grandpa's, uh, grandma and grandpa's farm north of Haver, and in the wheat fields, my dad would have sprayed for weeds, but at times you missed stuff, and there would be patches of wild oats, and you could see them from the road. You'd look out across the, the wheat field, and you'd see these patches of wild oats, and my, and my dad would ask us... Or, not maybe ask us, but tell us, uh, that we're going to go out and pull these weeds, and they were called wild oats. And it wasn't an easy task. It was hot a lot of times in the summer months, and you'd have to bend down and get in between the wheat that was starting to come up, and sometimes it would poke you, and, and you'd reach down in there, and you'd grab what I always thought, you know, was a, a wild oat stalk, and I'd go, and I'd kind of, because I'd barely be looking, and I'd grab it, and I'd reach and pull it up, and then go to put it in the sack and come to find out it was a wheat stalk. I would oftentimes find myself pulling up the wheat as I was trying to pull up the weeds. And in today's parable, we hear of this same exact kind of storyline taking place. And I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to what we need to glean from what Jesus is speaking to us about this morning. So turn over to chapter 13 of Matthew, starting in verse 24. And I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the, your field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. If you'll jump down to verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man, again, who is Jesus, will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom, of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Everybody got that? Okay, pretty straightforward parable. Jesus gives us the response, the, what's really going on behind the parable. So I'll go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed this morning, right? Man, everybody's heads were like, <laughs> it's like on Christmas morning, like, we get a present. No, it's, it's, you don't get off that easily this morning. But I, I think Jesus really explains the parable fairly well. 
If we are the wheat, which we are called to be, then we're looking forward to the day when Jesus comes again. And we're going to be gathered into the barn, just as verse 43 says, the righteous that will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's who we're called to be. And I think if we're going to get to that point, there's some things maybe here along the way in these verses that we could look at. And the first thing that I'd like for us to see is that we need to stay alert. In verse 25, we read that the, the farmer, uh, as he planted the, the wheat, he went to bed. And while everyone was sleeping, then that's when the enemy came in and planted the weeds. And in the context of the parable... This was normal for the farmer to go to sleep. Okay? There, there was nothing that the farmer did wrong. I mean, that was part of his routine. He needed, he required sleep at some point. But it got me to thinking. It got me to thinking how at times in our lives, when things are going wrong, when things kind of go downhill, when it seems like the weeds are growing up around us, it's, it's at times where we're maybe not really paying attention to what God is speaking to us about. Are, are, are we open to what God is wanting to, to share with us? Or are we just kind of asleep? And I want us to look at what takes place here in the course of the parable and, and see as believers, we need to be alert. Because the reality is, is that we have an enemy. There's an enemy out there that's trying to trip us up. Because we live in a broken world. And the seeds of the devil are being planted all around us. And if we're going to survive... In this hostile environment, then we must stay alert. In fact, Paul challenges the church in Corinth to do, to do this very thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. We need to be ready and alert and aware of the things that are going on around us. And during the Revolutionary War, a, a loyalist spy appeared at the headquarters of the Hessian commander, Colonel Johann Rall, carrying an urgent message. The message was that General George Washington and his Continental Army had secretly crossed the Delaware River that morning and were advancing on Trenton, New Jersey, where the Hessians were encamped. The spy was denied an audience with the commander and instead wrote his message on a piece of paper. A porter took the note to the Hessian colonel, but because Rawl was involved in a poker game, he stuffed the unread note in his pocket. And so when the guards at the Hessian camp began firing their muskets in a futile attempt to stop Washington's army, Rawl was still playing cards and without time to organize the hessian army was captured the battle occurred the day after christmas 1776 giving the colonists a late christmas present their first major victory of the war and if we're going to win the spiritual battles that take place all around us during our lifetimes then we must remain alert. Be on our guard. We must realize that we live in a world full of evil and people that have been affected by that evil. Ephesians 5, 11 through 17 says, Have nothing 
to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And if we were to look at Matthew 13 in the context, I think the Lord's will is not that we go and we pull up the false, but that we plant the truth. We are not detectives, but evangelists. We, we must oppose Satan and expose his lies, but we must also allow the word of God to bear fruit in the place where he has planted us. We need to let the word of God bear fruit in the place where he has planted us. And we must be patient in the place where God has planted us as well. And so as you look at verse 28 and 29, it says, An enemy did this. He replied, The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. See, we need to be patient. We, we can't see everything. Wheat and weeds very early on look very similar in the stage when it begins to first grow. You can't really tell them apart at all. And the slaves wanted to try to separate them, but that wouldn't have worked because they looked too much alike. It would have been almost humanly impossible to completely separate out every, every stock of wheat versus every stock of weed. And when it comes to the evil around us, a lot of us want to go out and immediately pull out the evil around us. Maybe someone has abused you in one way or the other, or maybe someone has taken advantage of you or abandoned you. And if you're a human, you want justice. And many times when we say justice, we mean revenge. And the truth is, in most of those kind of circumstances, it's almost humanly impossible to really sort it out, to really figure it out of what really should take place. And that's when we need to trust in the one who can handle it, who can see everything and knows everything, and, and he will be the one that makes everything work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, we need to leave it in God's hands. And a lot of times when, when someone abandons us or takes advantage of us or abuses us, we, we have the question of, you know, why is God allowing that to take place? Why is God allowing it to happen? And it looks to us like the other person's getting off scot-free. But just like we can't see everything, we can't know everything. We can't know exactly what brokenness caused them to do this. And the reality is, is we're all broken people. And at times we make decisions out of our brokenness. And so we don't really know what's going on in those individuals' lives. And if we really did, 
there might be opportunity for us to really share compassion and mercy in their lives. And you can't see what God is, is doing in that person's life. It could be that God is using them, that circumstance, their situation to bring them to repentance. Maybe it could be that he's disciplining them. And as humans, we just can't see what God is doing all the time. And so we have to grant mercy and trust God and not judge. If you remember just a few parables ago, we, we had the parable of the speck and the log. In Matthew 7, 1, again, says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And so we need to allow God to deal with the weeds in his timing. And as we wait on the Lord, maybe even more importantly, is that we be who we've been called to be as the wheat. As the wheat, God calls us to be holy. In the midst of rubbing elbows with the weeds of the world, we're called to be holy. In 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. See, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We're, we're to be different than the weeds that we live among. We're to act differently. We're to dress differently. We're to speak differently. Our attitudes should be different, and the way we respond to the world that we live in should be different because we have a hope for eternity. We have something better to look forward to. We have a God to trust in, and so we should look different than the world. John 17, verses 14 through 16 I have given them your word, and, your, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And it's easy to get discouraged in this world as we wait on God at times. But let me share you an excerpt from a book titled Disappointment, written by Christy Walker. From the valley, I look up to the mountains and say, why, God? Why do I have to be down here instead of up there? I've been down here so long, and into the silence he speaks if I am willing to be silent long enough to listen. I want to take you to the mountaintop, but you are not yet ready. The climb is hard and steep, and you must train a while longer. This valley is preparing you. Suffering and waiting produce the necessary perseverance, character, and hope that you will need to get to the top, without which you would certainly fail. Trust me, it seems to you too long, but it is a necessary amount of time. My timing is perfect. I have not forgotten you. I see your faithfulness and your struggle. I appreciate your honesty. I am with you always, and soon when you are ready, we will stand on the summit together. And when you look back down on that valley, 
you will finally understand. So how well are you waiting on God this morning? As you live your life faithfully for God in the midst of the weeds, remember that you will have an impact, a godly impact, if you live faithfully for Him. If you look back in just not even a page or so, just a few paragraphs, the, the parable right before the one we're looking at today, we recall that as we share the good news, which is the seeds that are planted And if it's shared into a life of someone that is good soil, it says that a great crop can be produced. And if we among the weeds will continue to plant the seeds of the gospel of Jesus and continue to water, I truly believe that as we wait on the Lord, over time, we're going to see more wheat grow up among the weeds. And being patient ultimately means knowing that Satan's power is limited and his future is fixed. He and all who speak his deceptions and schemes will be dealt with because as we look at these verses, there will be a judgment day. Judgment day is coming. As you read here, the harvest is going to take place. It is the end of the age When Jesus will return. And so where will you find yourself on judgment day? Where will your friends and your family members find themselves on judgment day? It's interesting to me that as we read these verses, it is the weeds that are gathered first and thrown into the fire. And then the wheat that is gathered and brought into the barn. We see the the judgment occurring in verse 41 where the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And in verse 42, and and will throw them into the fiery furnace. One commentary I read said, fire causes the greatest pain known to humanity. And the fiery furnace into which the unrepentant sinners are thrown represents the excruciating torment of hell, which is the destiny of every unbeliever. This fire of hell is unquenchable, according to Mark 9.44. It's eternal, according to Matthew 25.41. And is pictured finally as a great lake of fire which burns with brimstone, according to Revelation 19, verse 20. The punishment is so fearsome that it, in that place, it says that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And and as I teach junior high and high school kids, I I thought about, you know, what does that really look like? You know, the weeping part we understand, but the gnashing of teeth, and I just think it's this concept of just in such pain that, that our our mouth and our emotions are just, are just in agony. You see, hell will not be a place where a lot of people jokingly envision it to be where the ungodly continue in what they do and, 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 and heaven is something where the godly spend time doing what they do. In fact, a lot of times I hear people say, well, you know, we're going to party in hell. No, that's not what scripture says. You see, hell will have no friendships. 
no fellowship, no camaraderie, there'll be no comfort. It will not even have the wicked pleasures in which the ungodly love to engage in here on earth. There will be no pleasure in hell of any kind or degree, only torment day and night forever and ever, according to Revelation 20, verse 10. H.A. Ironside shared a story in the book Illustrations of Bible Truth, saying one of the first gospel illustrations that ever made a, a real impression upon my young heart was a simple story which I heard a preacher tell when I was less than nine years old. It was of pioneers who were making their way across one of the central states to a distant place that had been opened up for homesteading. They traveled in covered wagons drawn by oxen, and progress was necessarily slow. And one day they were horrified to note a long line of smoke in the west, stretching for miles across the prairie, and soon it was evident that the dried grass was burning fiercely and coming toward them rapidly. They had crossed a river the day before, but it would be impossible to go back that before the flames would be upon them. Only one man seemed to have understanding as to what could be done. He gave the command to set fire to the grass behind them. Then, when a space was burned over, the whole company moved back upon it. As the flames roared on toward them from the west, a little girl cried out in terror, are you sure we shall not all be burned up? The leader replied, My child, the flames cannot reach us here, for we are standing where the fire has been. What a picture of the unbeliever who is safe in Christ. Let me say that again. What a picture of the believer, excuse me, who is safe in Christ. Ironside goes on to share a, a short poem. On him almighty vengeance fell, which would have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for a chosen race, and thus becomes our hiding place. The fires of God's judgment burn themselves out on Jesus, and all who are in Christ are safe forever, for they are now standing where the fire has been. In Jesus' last words of explanation in verse 43, are, they're positive, they're beautiful, and they're hopeful. It says, then the, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. When the Son of Man returns with his angels, they will not only perfectly separate out the wicked for the eternal punishment, but also the righteous for eternal blessing. The Lord will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four wings, from one end of the sky to the other, according to Matthew 24, verse 31. And then... Then comes the long-anticipated and long-postponed kingdom of righteousness in which there will be no evil people and, and no evil deeds or even thoughts. 
This is the fulfilled eternal kingdom of our Heavenly Father, where every righteous person from the beginning of time will shine like the sun. As the praise team comes this morning, as I close out, I want us to look at the last thing Jesus says in verse 43. He who has ears, let him hear. And it seems like such a a weird thing to say, and yet to hear is not simply to listen, but to truly understand and then have it change your life. And I'm praising God that many of you here this morning are confident in your relationship with Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to remain alert, to remain patient as we wait for the day of Jesus to come again. That we might have the same loving, merciful, compassionate attitude towards the world that Jesus has towards the world. See, the wheat is called to witness rather than condemn, to love rather than to hate, to show mercy rather than judgment. And in order that our friends and our family can be a part of the wheat that's being brought into the barn. If you're here this morning and you are not certain about your relationship with God, then you need to ask yourself the question, Am I a wheat or am I merely a weed that looks like wheat? Are you a child of God or of the evil one? If you're a weed this morning, the Bible is very clear that all you need to do is believe, repent of your sins, confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, die to your old self in the watery graves of baptism, to rise again in newness of life. That's right. That's, that's what this life here on earth is about. And so this morning, if that's you, then I invite you to come as we sing. Because God is in the business of turning wheat, weeds into wheat. He's in the business of turning sinners into saints. Will you stand with us this morning? pray with me God we're grateful that we can come before you to honor you above everything else in our lives God we want our daily routine our daily actions to represent a life that is ready that is alert that is patient waiting on you to work in the lives of the people around us and God you want us to be the wheat that has an impact in the world that we would continue to broadcast the good news of the gospel in order that if it reaches the good soil, that more and more people can come to know you as their Lord and Savior. God, there will be a day of judgment. Judgment day is coming according to your word. Is 
that harvest is going to take place. The end of the age is going to take place. And Father, I pray that we are ready. Father, I pray that we would help others to be ready. So Father, this morning, we're grateful for the hope that we have beyond this life. May we share that hope with the world around us. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to encourage you to keep in prayer Jan Gillum. Jan uh, is still in the hospital, still dealing with uh, oxygen issues, as well as uh, she is someone that has had heart issues. And so please be in prayer for Jan Gillum. Uh, she has had some improvements, um, but still a long ways to go uh, in recovery there. Please also lift up to uh, God in prayer Eric LaPlante. Uh, this past Friday, he went in for emergency uh, cath... Uh, scan uh, to kind of check out some things with heart and his arteries and, and that all turned out well um, and so they're not quite sure what's going on with Eric for sure so they're going to do uh, a CT scan this next week and trying to find out uh, maybe what's causing him to have some of the, the issues that he's currently having so please be in prayer for Eric LaPlante also uh, Kelly Conley and Jan McCall uh, share a prayer request. Uh, need to be praying for Evan and Taylor McCall, uh, a baby. Uh, Kyram was born Friday and has been flown to Denver, Denver with complications. So uh, please be in prayer uh, for baby, if I'm not saying that quite right, I apologize, Kyram, um, who has been flown to Denver with complications. And so be in prayer for Jan, Eric, and Kyram at this time. Also be in prayer for those who are heading to camp. Uh, our junior week is planning to take off this afternoon. Uh, so please, uh, if you're heading to junior week, which is those going into fourth or those going into seventh grade, uh, we had a great, they had a great week of camp last week. Uh, and just praise God for the time that was spent uh, up in at camp, and we're looking forward to a great week this coming week. And so uh, grab lunch, come back, get loaded, hoping to leave town uh, by around 1.30 or so. Uh, also, continue to keep in mind on the, your calendars uh, the celebration of ministry that's going to be taking place here on July 25th, as well as the uh, celebration of life for Al Allen will take place on July 11th. Uh, Sunday school, like I mentioned earlier, we're still putting together the pieces to get that rolling again. But Vacation Bible School is already in the process of taking place. That will be in July. And if you are planning to be at that, if you have a grandchild or a niece or nephew or your own children or a neighbor child, that we would encourage you to get them registered. Uh, those registration forms are out uh, in the foyer on the hub table. And also in your bulletin, there's an there's a announcement for Abby Faxon's bridal shower that will be taking place. All the details are in there concerning that. Any other announcements, prayer requests that need to be made known this morning? All right, will you pray with me as we close out our time? God, we're grateful for who you are, and we're so in awe of you this morning. Father, may you go with us, may you strengthen us, that we would be strong in our faith for you, and that we could have an impact, that we would allow you to use us to make a difference for your kingdom here on this earth. 